Chapter 1. Forget You Ever Saw It Lieutenant Commander Jack Neville sat back, stunned, after watching the video he and the rest of the rescuers had found among the scattered gear of the TV crew that had disappeared in Antarctica a week before. The transition from rescuer to detainee had been so abrupt that he could hardly believe the events of the past twelve hours. He fully expected to be released once the video had been aired for the four men in the room, but why he and his men had been detained in the first place was a mystery to him. His companion, a junior officer, was also silent after watching the video. Although it was unedited and occasionally dizzying to watch, the missing TV crew obviously had found something unexpected in the Transantarctic Mountains. Neville found it almost impossible to believe what his eyes were registering. What appeared to be a city, though the architecture was strange, was clearly shown in many frames. Closer examination revealed no people other than the TV crew themselves posed here and there for proportional reference. The city, if that's what it was, seemed to have been constructed for occupants of a similar size to modern men, and yet no one had inhabited Antarctica when it was discovered in 1820. Only in 1895 had anyone set foot on the continent, and even now the year-round population was scattered among several countries' research stations and not considered permanent. Most left during the winter months. Commander Neville and his crew had been dispatched from McMurdo Station on the failed rescue mission three days before. When the TV crew failed to report in, their home office contacted their embassy in Washington, D.C. The request took a full 24 hours to navigate the red tape and make it to McMurdo. And then Neville's team had to attempt to locate the missing crew in a vast wilderness that quickly covered its tracks, if they weren't constantly groomed. The only trace of the missing TV crew had been some expeditionary equipment, discarded polar gear, and the professional quality camera in which the video had been found, a few hundred feet from the compressed snow road they called the McMurdo-Amundsen Highway. There were no large predators in Antarctica, if you didn't count the few thousand human beings scattered across the continent in various research stations. Only the weather might account for the disappearance of five people with no trace. But the weather had been calm for weeks, November being midsummer at this latitude. What had happened to them would remain a mystery. Upon radioing the discovery back to McMurdo, the rescue team was shocked to be told to stay put for extraction by chopper rather than continuing the search. Within a few hours, the sight of six fully equipped Navy SEALs running toward them left them wondering even more just what they had gotten themselves into. Now, only Neville and his second-in-command were allowed to view the video, along with a captain that he didn't know, and a civilian from McMurdo. The civilian was the first to break the silence. "'You realize we can't allow this to be reported by the media,' he said to the unknown captain." Ignoring both Neville and his second, the captain responded, I'm taking this video into custody. I'm recommending it be classified at the highest level. No one in this room, he said, glaring at the other three, may speak of it again. The best thing you can do is forget you ever saw it. It was the last time that Neville ever saw any of his team. Within hours, he was transferred to the North Atlantic without explanation. Nor did he ever hear from any of the others. 
but he never forgot the sight of the strange architecture he remembered from the video. A naval officer who wants to advance his career doesn't ask questions when the questions are obviously unwelcome. Neville put the incident out of his mind and didn't think of it again for many years. End of chapter 1